What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the VK Bros, number 118. With us, the VK Bros. <laughs> trying out some new, some new tech, so bear with us if it's a little bit fumbly today. Uh, but we are trying to bring in some uh, instant video. We're trying to bring in some a uh, little, little bit more graphics for you, for the Rumble viewers. So obviously audio listeners, things might be a little bit disjointed, but we'll also explain things as best we can. How are you this week, Alex? Yeah, I'm good. You good? I went to a charity dinner last night for Ambulance Wish. Oh, yeah. Uh, which we went to last year, and uh, it was a really nice night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I bought something at the auction, which I think you'll like. Yeah. That I'll, I'll launch, like I'll announce it, and I'll show it on the pod, because it's very podcast-related. Right, okay. So, uh, yeah. So, what is Ambulance Wish in aid of? It's basically... Make a wish, but for adults. So it gives right, okay. people at the end of life the chance to go do something that they want to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stories, it's only been running for like two years. Yep. And a lot of the stuff that people wanted is like, like the first lady. It, it started when some paramedics were driving uh, someone um, back home and they said, hey, I just want to see the beach one more time. Right. So they took them to the beach yep. and just sat with them and... You know, looked at the ocean for the for the last time, mm. and um, some of the stories are like, you know, just wanted to have a passion fruit ice cream, or wanted to go to. Um, there was one guy that got to see himself uh, as a nineteen year old playing football, but he got to go into into one of the stadiums and they put it up on the screen. Yeah, right. so he got to watch himself as a young man. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, that's yeah, it's really just cool. a really. Yeah, it's a really sweet thing. Uh, they, they try to raise like sort of sixty grand on on the night, and yeah, um, yeah, it's very well done. Very cool. Well done. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um, just as a bit, a bit of a side note on that, one of my wife's old work friends just started her own business, and the business is like end of life films. So what she actually does is when people know they are coming towards the end of their life, she will spend time with them, she'll interview them, well, she'll take video footage and she'll package all these things together essentially for the family so that once they do pass on, they've got this awesome yeah, memento cool. to sort of remember them. Like a little documentary. Yeah, so I think she's I think she's just got a website up and running. So if that is something that you guys are interested in at all, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes yeah. and you can, uh, you can go and support her because she's... Yeah, really, really good person and really good at what she does too. I will put a link to uh, Ambulance Wish too. Cool. So if you want to um, if you want to donate, it's a really good cause. And yep. yeah, someone very close to us uh, used their services and mm. it was like really good. Yeah, yeah. So uh, unfortunately, as morbid as it sounds, that sort of segues us into yeah. our first topic of the day. So there's a lot of stuff we're going to go through today. Uh, firstly, we're going to start off with some data on the excess mortality rate, uh, which is a phenomenon which is really appearing all around the world. But except Sweden. Ex- except Sweden and a lot of other countries that, uh, like a lot of African nations and stuff yep. like that, you're not seeing the same issues. Uh, but in the Western world, it is it is a very common theme. Uh, we're also going to talk about uh, an article that made quite a stir uh, over the last week where they're basically requesting a pandemic amnesty. Uh, the media is... Well, the me- essentially the people who pushed all of the pandemic measures now want to... Uh, they want everyone to stop being angry at them. Yeah, essentially. just move on. Yeah, and without admitting any fault, they just want us to move on. So I think that's worth delving into. Uh, and there's a couple other things that we'll, we'll get stuck into as well, t- as well today. But firstly, let's start here. So this is the Australian Bureau of Statistics website. So you'll see at the top, abs.gov.au, and the provisional mortality statistics. So the most recent statistics that they have released is for this reference period. So it's for January to July 2022. And here are the key stats at the top. So in 2022, there were 111,008 deaths that occurred between the 31st of July and were registered by 30th of September, which is 16,375 or 17.3% more than the historical average. Mm. Uh, in July, there were 17,936 deaths, 2,500 above the uh, historical average, so 16.2% above just for the month of July. And there were 300, which is 22.5% fewer deaths due to COVID-19 in August than July. Not 100% sure the relevance of that statistic, but... Anyway, it's there. Now, why are we bringing this up? Number one, it is, it by any stretch of the imagination, 17% is a massive number. 
And when you compound that with the fact that, as we know, COVID, the disease, mainly attacks the frail, and you would assume that the majority of the frail who have gotten COVID-19 over the last two years had already passed away Mm. in 2020 and 2021 before coming into this year. Now, what is particularly staggering about this is so if we're 16,375 deaths above the historical average, so the historical average, I believe, is based on... Five years. Yeah, five years between 2015 and 2019. Yeah. But I want to draw your attention to this. So on the COVID Live website, this ha- it, this tracks all of our COVID stats for, for Australia and a whole bunch of different countries. But in Australia, our total confirmed deaths from COVID is 15,786 for the entire pandemic. Yeah, which is so, what, what are we, how deep into it are we? Well, it's almost three years, right? Yeah. Like it's November uh, 2022 now. This thing kicked off really December 2019. So we're like bang on the three year mark. Yeah, I've got something I want to bring up about that. For sure. Yeah. But this is this is why we, we're talking about this because think of all the measures and the hysteria and the fear and the control measures that were put in place over the last three years because of COVID and COVID alone, and the COVID death rate's currently sitting at 15,786. And now go back to the fact that we are currently 16,375 above the this historical average for this year up until the end of July alone. So we have had more excess deaths in 2022 than we've had COVID deaths for the entire pandemic. And no one's talking about it. And no one is talking about it. Nobody cares. No media. No, no rush to action. No, uh, no isolation measures. No, no talk about it. Nothing. No, no. Think so again. Like we were, we were literally Soft had. Again. Sorry, we had the premiers on TV every single day, yeah. telling us all the statistics. This is how many infections. This is how many deaths. This is how many in the ICU. This is how many uh, close contacts that we've got. Every single day, we had that fear porn rammed down our throats. But why were they doing it? Well, it was a means to an end, wasn't it? Mm. It accomplished everything that they wanted to accomplish. We got the vaccine rollout going. And what is interesting, I well, I was reading through here a little bit. So it goes through things like baseline comparisons, etc. I'll put a link in the show notes. Feel free to go through and read this. But down here in COVID-19 mortality. So the ABS publishes two regular reports that provide preliminary information on mortality during the COVID-19 pandemic, provisional mortality statistics and COVID-19 deaths in Australia articles. These reports provide information on different time periods and serve different purposes. Blah, blah, blah. Where was... Oh, here we go. So Australian deaths by week. So tracking the number of deaths against historical averages for similar time periods provides an initial indication of when a change in the pattern of mortality may occur. This is of particular relevance because of the many potential public health impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Note, there is a recent change in the way this graph is presented. In other words, they pulled infections out of the graph. But for all deaths, in 2022, that was already a stat I told you before, the July deaths, now 15,888 deaths of the deaths occurring in July 22 were doctor certified and 2048 were coroner referred. Uh, the age standardized death rate for July 2022 was 50.6 deaths per 100,000 people. So this was higher than the baseline average of 47.5. But I just want to f- keep going through it. Now, look, if you want to have a look at this graph, obviously this red line here is the excess, uh, is the baseline, oh, sorry, is the 2021 to 2022 deaths. So significantly higher than the baseline average deaths, which is right down here. And it never went lower. No. And you can see, like, it, it follows through. So if you go back here to, say, January 2022, we had a massive peak in the deaths. And obviously, this does include COVID deaths as well. Sure. Well, that's why I think it's in that first line we said, I don't know why they've got that 300 number mm-hmm. in COVID. I think that's illustrating how little effect COVID deaths are. Yeah, but actually, this is what I was trying to find, which I found particularly interesting. So, um, mortality by selected causes of death. Under COVID-19, as the pandemic has progressed, the number of people dying with COVID-19 has increased. In July, 426 people died with COVID-19, whose underlying cause of death was a disease other than COVID-19. So, going back to all of the pandemic measures... 
we were told all these things were being put in place for our protection and the vaccines were going to protect people and all of the treatments like your Paxlovids and your remdesivirs that all got launched during the pandemic were supposed to protect people. And yet the Australian Bureau of Statistics states, as the pandemic has progressed, the number of people dying with COVID-19 has increased. Yeah, I, I think that's, I don't think anyone cares about that number. I think that's an irrelevant number. It's irrelevant to the powers of B because the powers of B put in all of the mitigations, which were extremely highly profitable, which appear to have done nothing, if not increase the death rate from COVID-19 well, itself, let alone the other reasons. Oh, I, I see what you're getting at. But again, at, at that sort of number, I'm more concerned about the tens of thousands of people per month of that, are, that are dying in, in excess. Mm-hmm. And obviously due to something. We don't know what it is, yeah. but we know that there is something that we've done that has caused way more people to die yep. than what so, we're used to. So let's continue. Other causes of death. Deaths due to dementia, including Alzheimer's disease, were 12.9% above the baseline average in July and 19.8% above the baseline average for the year to July. This equated to an age standardized death rate of 4.2 per 100,000 people compared to a baseline average of 4.0. So Alzheimer's deaths are up. Deaths due to diabetes were 24% above average in July and were 21.3% higher than the baseline average for the year to July. The age standardized death rate for June was 1.6 per 100,000 people compared to a baseline average of 1.4. So when you look at something like diabetes and then you go back and you look at the COVID mitigation strategies, diabetes is primarily brought on by poor diet and lack of exercise. Mm. And what did we do during... COVID. Lock people down. We lock people in their houses. We said you're only allowed to leave the house for one hour per day to exercise. And all of the local, like my local fresh fruit and vegetable store, closed. The only stores you go to, big box stores or fast food outlets, they're all still open. And you got a free donut if you got vaccinated. And there was, yeah, that, that as well. So again, this, this, that potentially has nothing to do with vaccines. Obviously everyone's saying it's the vaccines, it's the vaccines, it's the vaccines. I think the vaccines are definitely a factor, but yeah. I think the entire COVID pandemic response is responsible for the increase in deaths. Well, you look at even just like what, like we know very well what stress can do to your sympathetic nervous system yeah. and like that crushing feeling where like you can't, you can't resist anything. When you're in the high states of stress, mm-hmm. like you, you'll get sick from anything, right? Yeah. yeah. And then we, we, Created a society where extremely divisive, a uh, that I hate using it, but there was a two-tier society for a while. Yeah. Absolute fear porn all day, every day, relentlessly. The yeah. big red uh, uh, virus uh, animation in yeah, the background. Yeah, the molecule. Yeah. All day, every day. Uh, people scared of like literally, you know, the jokes about scared of the air. They're still there now. That's They're right. still there now, but. Like, if those people knew, which I don't think they do, that more people are dying now, well, how are they going to react? That's right. Well, they're probably going to be even more scared, right? Like, if they were already scared of this disease just because they were told to be, which, as we've gone over, the average age of death in Australia from from COVID is 79 years old. It's almost the life expectancy. So you've got to think COVID itself has maybe wiped off two to three years of people's natural lives. Yeah. But also... How much of that has occurred because people were made more unhealthy during things like yeah. the lockdowns and those sorts of things? So one of the key factors that we know about COVID is your, uh, your potential to have a bad outcome from COVID is directly linked to how much vitamin D you've got in your system. Yeah. And we locked people down. Think about the nursing homes. This was the saddest thing for me out of the entire pandemic. You had elderly people locked inside their, their rooms in nursing homes who are already towards the end of their lives, and for their own safety, their family wasn't even allowed to come and visit yeah. them. You've seen those pictures of like masked, like both people masked through plexiglass. Yeah, like that's that's like dystopian, one hundred percent, man, world stuff. Yeah, but I fo- I still find it very surprising that now I can't remember. Did we talk last week about John Campbell going through the pre? vaccine COVID death rate 
percentages, and then we talked about the modelling, right? Yeah, I think it's we supposed may. to be 0.9%. So we all based everything off a 1% death rate, and then... So what Alex is, is saying is the, the COVID mitigation strategies were all based on a model which showed that COVID itself would have a 0.9% um, case-to-death ratio. Yeah. And it so essentially out, they said 1% of people who got it would die. And it turns out that it's 0.09% for the elderly... Yeah. And it's 0.009% for the young. Yeah, and like even just to, to sort of make a bit of a point on that, so if we go back to the COVID live data here, now a lot of Australian states have essentially stopped recording cases. So you can see here, it's literally Victoria, the, the kingdom of fear, which is the only one who's still actually reporting things like case yeah. data. But you look at... You know, ten million four hundred seventeen thousand cases of COVID for fifteen thousand seven hundred eighty six deaths. Now, the other thing to consider about that statistic itself uh, is remember early on in the pandemic what they actually rated as a COVID death. It was literally if you died within twenty eight days of a COVID diagnosis, they said that yeah. it was a COVID death. Yeah. So how many of those are are real numbers? Yeah. So you don't even so all this is what I do know. The real number is lower than that number. Yeah. That's what I do know. Yeah. And what I also know is the real number of uh, excess deaths is accurate because the, the ABS, they're the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Dead is dead. Dead is dead. That's yeah. right. You can't fake... And it's not talking about just not the cause of death. You're not Epstein. No. No, that's right. Uh, but but that's reality. So the reality is the, the COVID deaths themselves are exaggerated, but the excess deaths are not. Yeah. And there's a massive gap between them because this is over three years. This is, on average, 5,000 deaths a year and from COVID. And this kind of ties in with this the next amnesty subject that we're going to talk about next, which is I get that people can make mistakes, but what, like, why? We were speaking about this. Like, yeah. we, we're idiots. Like, I'm a car dealer and you're a house dad. Yeah. Landscaper. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about this. There was, a, there was a large cohort speaking about this kind of stuff and don't do lockdowns and don't do... Yeah. Um, uh, uh, don't do mandates mm -hmm. and, and, and don't do the fear porn thing. Yeah. That... Um, I don't know if you've got that data handy, but you know the excess death rates. Some of those countries are as high as 25% excess right. deaths. In, especially in Europe. Switzerland, Spain, 25%. Mm -hmm. Sweden, do you know what Sweden's number is? Yeah, it's backwards. Minus 5%. Yeah. And all they did different, so they had vaccination. Mm -hmm. I, think I think their double dose was 76%. Yep. But no mandates, never closed a school, yep. never did lockdowns. You've, you've actually reminded me of a key uh, statistic here too. But they've so, got minus 5%. So people have survived. Yeah. So consider this as well. Uh, throughout this report, so baseline comparisons. So where the ABS gets their data from. Throughout this report, counts of deaths are compared to an average number of deaths for previous years. In this report, data for 2021 is compared to an average number of deaths recorded over the five years from 2015 to 2019, as was the case in previous publications. Data for 2022 is compared to a baseline comprising the years 2017 to 2019 and including 2021. 2020 is not included in the baseline for 2022 data because it included periods where numbers of deaths were significantly significantly lower than expected. Whoa. So, so think about this. In the year that the pandemic began, before the vaccine rollout began, because the vaccine rollout in Australia began in February 2021, during 2020, they've removed that year because the deaths was lower than what was expected. We had fewer people die in 2020 compared to the statistical baseline. But playing devil's advocate, so that means that lockdowns worked. Well, only if you're comparing it to COVID deaths. But overall deaths were lower. Does that say COVID deaths was... No, no, no. no this, this is all so deaths. include periods where numbers of deaths were significantly lower than expected. So that means overall. That's not COVID yeah, deaths. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. So in 2020 those measures, it could be argued that those measures worked. Well, I, no, I disagree with that. because it, it, I mean, the, the number of COVID deaths was so insignificant in, in 2020. It was like 900 people. Yeah. 
So that is, and compared to the, the statistical average of deaths in Australia, which I think is about 155,000 people per year, roughly, year, mm. year in, year out die, 900 is, it's less but than... But I'm not talking COVID. I'm not talking... So, so but you're saying that lockdowns work. We had lockdowns in no, 2020. I, I'm not saying necessarily lockdowns. I'm saying that whatever measures were taken in 2020 worked. It could be argued because less people died in 2020. Potentially, except what what I think you were seeing is in 2020, less people died, but it's 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 gotten worse in the subsequent years. So whatever you did in 2020 may have saved some people in 2020, but it's cost more people sure. in 2021 yeah, 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 yeah. than 2022. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it interesting that they would remove that data. Well, what again, sorry of saying again, again, the fact that they've removed that data is statistically significant too because it means that if you included that data, the, the average would be lower. Therefore, yeah. the excess deaths would be higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure that there's an actual uh, genuine reason why they've done that. Yeah. And maybe it's because if there is a, a statistical anomaly like 2020, which is so far outside of the baseline, maybe they do remove it yeah. for the purpose of having a more accurate picture of the average. I can actually cop that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if you included those figures in, the actual average death rate would be lower. Therefore, the excess death rate this year would be higher than it already is. And it's already at 17%. It's already crazy. It's wild, man. So can we move to the amnesty then? Well, one thing I want to speak about before we go to the amnesty, because I think this is really, really important. And this goes back to the point that you were just making, which is why I want to bring it up now. So you were saying that during the pandemic especially early on, there were people out there who were speaking against all of these COVID measures. Yeah. Because we were looking at the whole picture. Yeah. We were going, look, we don't know a lot about COVID, but this is what we do know. And uh, we we're trying to make recommendations based on the, the information that we do know. And then as the data started rolling in, you could see clear as day things like COVID doesn't affect kids. It's mainly affecting adults. COVID doesn't spread on surfaces. COVID doesn't spread outside. You like We picked up all of yeah. these bits of information. Yeah, nothing changed. As the data was coming through, but nothing changed. What did change, though, was the censorship of those conversations. Yeah. Now, one of the things that a lot of people, including us, have brought up during the pandemic was how Orwellian, in quotation marks, the censorship and the control mechanisms became during COVID. And a lot of people, again, were called crazy conspiracy theories for comparing what was happening to yeah. Orwell's 1984. Yep. And the point I want to bring back is we've just gotten another strike on YouTube. So we were already banned from posting content for two weeks. Now we're banned until like January to post content. And the only reason why I even want to post anything on YouTube is literally say, hey guys, we're being banned. Come over to Rumble. Yeah. Right? If you want to continue to follow us, come over to Rumble. But we can't even do that. Now, one of the things that I found the most fascinating about 1984, the book, was the control mechanism that the power, the elites were trying to use to control the population. Keyword being the new language they were creating called Newspeak. And I've explained Newspeak on the, mm. on the pod before, but for any new listeners or um, anyone who's forgotten, essentially what Newspeak intended on doing was removing words from the language. So instead of having two opposite words, so you might have light and dark as two opposite words, what they would do is they would remove one of the words. So you might remove dark, and then you've got light and unlight. Right. Okay. And so think about this. How you formulate thoughts in your mind is generally done in the language that you speak. So if you remove words from your vocabulary, over time you forget those words, therefore you can't even think in terms of those words. Mm. You can only think in terms of the words you have access to. Mm -hmm. Okay? So the book is about, over generations of time, removing so many words from the language that the people can only think in the way that the government wants them to think. Mm. And we experience this during the pandemic. And... Here's my example, which I'll bring up the screen capture again. So this is YouTube's COVID-19 medical misinformation policy. <laughs> right. So this is the reason why all three of our strikes that we've had from YouTube have been because of the COVID-19 medical misinformation policy. 
And I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, but it essentially says, YouTube doesn't allow content that spreads medical misinformation that contradicts local health authorities, LHAs, or the World Health Organization's medical information about COVID-19. This is limited to content that contradicts WHO or local health authorities' guidance on treatment, prevention, diagnosis, transmission, and the existence of COVID-19. Now, what I wanna draw your attention to so you want to talk about Orwellian removal of words from discourse? Yep. Listen to this. Treatment misinformation. Content that encourages the use of home remedies, prayer or rituals in place of medical treatment such as consulting a doctor or going to the hospital. Content that claims is a guaranteed cure for COVID-19. Content that recommends the use of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine for the uh, treatment of COVID-19. Claims that hydroxychloroquine is an effective treatment for COVID-19. Categorical claims that ivermectin is an effective treatment for COVID-19. Claims that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are safe to use in the prevention of COVID-19. Other content that discourages people from consulting a medical professional or seeking medical advice. They have literally created policies around those two words, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Mm. Now, what happens with this is this gives a chilling effect to content creators because the reason why we got banned is because we thought we were too small a channel for YouTube to really care. Yep. So we wanted to keep using these words because it's important to actually speak about them. But unfortunately, what you're seeing with a whole range of other channels is self-censorship. Yeah. So even though they are indicating towards these particular compounds, which should be discussed, the fact that they're not saying them means... New viewers don't have an idea what they're talking about. Yeah. So then over time... It's never in discourse. That's right. Which means you can't even think about those two words anymore. Do you know what I find interesting about that policy? Yeah. So it says, or the, the way it reads to me, I always try and find the other layer, but it, it, it says, uh, claims that uh, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are effective treatment for COVID-19, mm-hmm. but all the talk about it, was never as a treatment. It was always as a prophylaxis. That was so, where the most of the, yeah. the most effective use of it was. Yeah, and if you remember back to early on in, in the pandemic, uh, there were countries that were like around places in Africa, for example, that use ivermectin prophylactically as a treatment against like the river blindness mites and yeah. all those sorts of things. They found that the, the outcomes from COVID in those countries were far greater yeah. and people looked into them. But this is, this is the thing. So before we get to the amnesty, so going back to the Bureau of Statistics, so we've got 15,786 people that died due to COVID-19 in Australia, apparently. How many of those people died because of the stifling of conversation around ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine? Yeah. So, so not only do we have a situation where we have been force-fed vaccinations which do not work, at a great cost to not only the taxpayer, but the, the overall health of the nation, it appears, yeah. due to the excess death data. But how many people could have been saved if they stopped stifling conversation about those two compounds? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a really good point. So even remove even taking away those two compounds, yep. the fact that you weren't allowed to... It says that you're not allowed to talk about anything else. Yeah, and what you guys need to understand too, and I, I should have brought it up, but... When you get a, a strike for, in quotes, medical misinformation from YouTube, their language is extremely vague and they don't tell you exactly what it is that, that's scary. Okay, we've just frozen our camera. Bear with us for a second here, gang. Uh, I wonder if it's out of batteries. All right, let's so pause. Let's keep, keep going. Okay, keep we'll, going. we'll keep going. We'll keep going. It's like brief, brief technical issues. So I'm just going to go back to the uh, the opening sequence. Um, but yeah, getting back to the point. So when people were saying there's this like Orwellian, uh, Orwellian shift in censorship in, yeah, I think we're back on. Cool. This Orwellian shift in language around COVID nineteen. So you've now got people who were the proponents of all of the measures, lockdowns forced vaccinations via mandates, all of those things, you've now got these people asking for what they're referring to as a pandemic amnesty. So let us... Yeah, we're good. Let us explore this. So this article made a lot of waves this week. It's called Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty by Emily Oster, who I believe is a doctor uh, in the Atlantic. 
now let's just read a little bit of this. So in April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I had made myself. We had a family hand signal, which the person in the front would use if someone was approaching on the trail and we needed to put on our masks. Once when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing. These precautions were totally misguided. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Now, they say vanishingly rare. There was only one documented case of outdoor transmission in COVID, and that's from China, if you really believe right. that. One. Our cloth mask made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, in quotation marks, we didn't know. I've been reflecting on this lack of knowledge thanks to a class I'm co-teaching at Brown University on COVID. Now, remember when we've spoken a million times about, um, like, capture of institutions? Yeah. So these are the people that are running the institutions which are teaching the kids the, the way the world works. Yeah, obviously no critical and, thought. Yeah, because, that's right. Because as the evidence was, was mounting, they never changed. That's right. We spent several lectures reliving the first year of the pandemic, discussing the many important choices we had to make under conditions of tremendous uncertainty. Some of these choices turned out better than others. To take an example, close to my own work, there is an emerging, in brackets, if not universal, consensus that schools in the US were closed for too long. The health risks of in-school spread were relatively low, whereas the cost to students' well-being and educational progress were high. The latest figures on learning loss are alarming. But in spring and summer 2020, we had only glimmers of information. Reasonable people, people who cared about children and teachers, advocated on both sides of the reopening debate. Another example, when the vaccines came out, we lacked definitive data on the relative efficacies of the Johnson & Johnson shot versus the mRNA options from Pfizer and Moderna. The mRNA vaccines have won out, but at the time, many people in public health were either neutral or expressed a and j preference. This misstep wasn't nefarious, it was the result of uncertainty. So let me just, let me just stop on that point for a second. These decisions aren't supposed to be made on a fucking hunch. Yeah. These are supposed to be made on data, yeah. on the results of trials that are properly run and have extended long-term safety profiles yeah, as well. eight mouses. So this person is trying to say, oh, like, you know, some people got it right, some people got it wrong. It was just a matter of chance. Yeah. Medicine's not supposed to be about a matter of chance, yeah. especially when it's mandated. Yes. Obviously, some people intended to mislead and made wildly irresponsible claims, such as Pfizer, maybe. Yeah. Remember when the public health community had to spend a lot of time and resources urging Americans not to inject themselves with bleach? That was bad. Misinformation was, and remains, a huge problem. But most errors are made by people who are working in earnest for the good of society. Isn't it funny how they could use it? Like that, yeah, yeah. So, so one, so one person, one group of people that are doing that, bad people. So what I find the interesting group, about that, people. Well, what I find interesting about that was the whole bleach conversation only came up because of that press conference that Trump held, where he mentioned bleach as a potential option that they were looking at, and he also mentioned ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And he said that there was very, very promising data come out around those things. And then all of a sudden, those two words became demonized. She hasn't even mentioned those. She just wanted to talk about the bleach. Yeah. Given the amount of uncertainty, almost every position was taken on every topic. And on every topic, someone was eventually proved right and someone else was proved wrong. In some instances, the right people were right for the wrong reasons. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, yeah that is wild. In other instances, they had a prescient understanding of the available information. So do you think that might be because people were doing their own research? Well, and, and the fact that the information that came out was suppressed. Yeah. As well. Like, like so w when they were wrong, when they realized they were wrong, mm -hmm. you suppress the information That's that right. makes them look wrong. Yeah. Key example. Remember, um, this is a catchphrase that you guys may remember. Uh, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah. It's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. It's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And then what happened in Victoria in particular? All of a sudden, the hospitalizations and deaths, they stopped reporting by vac status. Yeah. Why do you think that happened? Do you think it's because the news was so good on the vaccine efficacy that they stopped um, telling you the data? Yeah. Yeah. The people who got it right, for whatever reason, may want to gloat. Those who got it wrong, for whatever reason, may feel defensive. Oh, sorry. Brief technical difficulties. 
Atlantic and retrench into a position that doesn't accord with the facts, like writing an article for The Atlantic asking for an amnesty on COVID. Yeah. All of this gloating and defensiveness continues to gobble up a lot of uh, social energy and to drive the culture wars, especially on the internet. These discussions are heated, unpleasant, and ultimately unproductive. Now, I remember having many heated, unpleasant, and ultimately unproductive conversations during the pandemic. And I have mentioned on the pod before, one of the people that I got into multiple stouches with online is a high-ranking university official who essentially, uh, he controls the department that teaches health at a particular university. And I was put down because I'm a lowly landscaper. Yeah. And if you go back, because the best thing about Facebook is it's forever, even if you delete the post, they still exist. If you go back and you read through everything that we were talking about, I've been proven right again and again and again and again. Yep. I've never had an apology, by the way. Uh, in the face of so much uncertainty, getting something right had a hefty element of luck. <laughs> You're right. Okay. Okay. Now, Man, very lucky. Now, very lucky. Let me explain something to you. When Alex and I first started speaking about the pandemic, we knew full well that we were putting our necks on the line and we were going to lose a lot of friends. We were going to make uh, things very difficult amongst family members. And we knew that if we were wrong about the things that we were saying, there was a massive social cost that we would be paying sure. because of that. You don't do that based off luck. Yeah. You do that based off research. Yeah. Analysis, yeah. very careful uh, analysis of the data before you present anything, vetting sources. Like, we, we put the work in. But what is ironic is that the people who were demonised as anti-vaxxers, right-wing extremists during the pandemic seem to have put more effort into the research than the people who were locking people in their houses and yeah. forcing them to take injections if they wanted to participate in society. And wouldn't re- wouldn't share the research that they had. No, we've still Which not seen the health advice. Yeah. We've still never seen the health advice that all these states in Australia made their decisions on. Yeah. Funny that. Uh, and similarly, getting something wrong wasn't a moral failing. Treating pandemic choices as a scorecard on which some people racked up points than others, or more points than others, is preventing us from moving forward. Uh, getting things wrong was a moral failing. And here's my key point. We've said before, the main factor that had our, our bullshit radars going off was because we didn't know that the vaccines wouldn't be effective and would, and would injure people. We just knew there was absolutely no way they could have known that they would be effective and they wouldn't injure people. That was what was... That was the basis of our... Like, the the, the spark to our concern. That's right. That was concerning. But these officials, health officials, the pharmaceutical reps, and the government, the politicians, all came out and repeated the same thing over and over again. Safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. And then what we have come to find is that these products are neither safe nor effective. Yeah. And yet, they're trying to say that getting that wrong wasn't a moral failing. Yeah. You told people uncategorically that you knew things which you're now claiming you didn't know. Yeah. Regardless of whether you did it with good intentions, that's a fucking lie, which is a moral failing. Yeah, 100%. You do not elect people to morally lie to you about things they don't understand. Yeah. You elect people to be honest and transparent and go, we are trying to do our very best to keep everyone safe. This is what we know. This is what we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Let's get together and make decisions like Sweden did. Yeah. And look how good Sweden's got. To continue, we have to put these fights aside and declare a pandemic amnesty. We can leave out the willful, <laughs> the willful purveyors of actual misinformation while forgiving the hard calls that people had no choice but to make with imperfect knowledge. Los Angeles County closed its beaches in summer 2020. Ex post facto, this makes no more sense than my family's masked hiking trips. Remember in uh, Victoria when those people were told that going and looking at the sunset was bad for everyone and they were blamed for one of the uh, lockdowns? Yep. Mm -hmm. But we need to learn from our mistakes and then let them go. We need to forgive the attacks too, because I thought schools should reopen and argued that kids as a group were not at a high risk. I was called a teacher killer and a genocide heir. It wasn't pleasant, but feelings were high, and I certainly don't need to dissect and rehash that time for the rest of my days. Moving on, 
is crucial now because the pandemic created many problems that we still need to solve. I agree with that point. Yeah, like all the dead people. Yeah, we absolutely need to move on. But we... We'll, we'll continue. We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, it's almost over. Student test scores have shown historic declines, more so in math than in reading, and more so for students who are disadvantaged at the start. We need to collect data, experiment, and invest. Is high dosage tutoring more, more or less cost-effective than extended school years? Why have some states recovered faster than others? We should focus on questions like these because answering them is how we will help our children recover. Now, interesting point on this, being a new parent, I've had two pandemic babies, yeah. right? Uh, mo- I don't know, anyone who doesn't have young children probably doesn't know or doesn't care, but they, for the first time in like history, they have revised the milestones, speech milestones for kids. And essentially, they have put them back. Wow. Why do you think that is? Yeah, that's crazy. Do you think it might have something to do with the fact that the health officials told everyone they had to wear masks for the entire beginning of the pandemic and that children learn to speak by seeing their parents' faces? Do you think that might have something to do with it? But all of a sudden, what you do is you just quietly change the standards so that when the children are behind, you just never notice. So it doesn't become a problem. Many people have neglected their health over the past several years. Notably, routine vaccination rates for children, for measles, pertussis, etc., are way down. I wonder why that is. Yeah. You think maybe people have lost faith in vaccinations? Yeah. Rather than debating the role that messaging about COVID vaccines had in this decline, we need to put all our energy into bringing these rates back up. Pediatricians and public health officials will need to work together on community outreach, and politicians will need to consider school mandates. Oh yeah, more mandates. Hey, yeah. hey, you know those problems with the, those mandates that we I just admitted were wrong. Yeah, let's do more of them. Yeah, let's mandate more. Yeah, the standard saying is that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. But dwelling on the mistakes of history can lead to a repetitive doom loop as well. Let's what? Have, yeah. That's not written in the. That's not the saying. No, no, no. She's made that bit up. Yeah, no. Like she's made up all the other bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Let's acknowledge that we made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty, and then try to work together to build back and to move forwards. Emily Oster is an economist at Brown University. Okay. Okay. Let's not... discuss. <clears throat> so, uh, I agree with her. I think we do need to move on. But you cannot move on in a constructive way without identifying and addressing the mistakes that were made. And then also, like... Other we, we we are we'll just fall right into it. If we do what she says, we are just ready and ripe for the next one because no one pays. Mm-hmm. There is no um. No, what's the opposite of a payoff? There's no accountability accountability held by the people that made those decisions. You can't just get it so wrong and just say, "Oh, souls." You can't do that, and they haven't even said souls yet. Well, that's the key point. Do you know what the word amnesty actually means? What? So this is this is the key part of it for me. I'll just bring this up. So amnesty in in the definition from Cambridge, uh, one a decision by a government that allows political prisoners to go free. Number yeah, two, a fixed period of time during which people are not punished for committing a particular crime. Oh yeah, yeah. right. So, so in other words, you can only have an amnesty when you admit to wrongdoing yeah. and admit to wrong to committing a crime. Yeah. So she's asking for amnesty. She wants the positive effect without admitting any wrongdoing. Yeah. Because all, all of the ad- admissions that she makes in quotation marks are, oh, we just didn't know. Oh, it was just based on uncertain data. Oh, oh, it's not our fault. So in other words, they're like, we want an amnesty, which you can only get by admitting that you committed a crime, but we don't want to co- admit that we committed the crime. We just want the good bit. We just want everyone to move on now. I do wonder, though, if... This is the media taking position to protect themselves, which naturally all organisations are going to do, because maybe they were under pressure from governments and uh, high-level government donors, for example, company donors, corporate donors. And is this them posturing up, hey, like, like, we're on your team, and it... You know, in a couple of months' time, are we going to get... Hey, guys, we were told we had to do this, or this, otherwise the yeah. money's going to go away. So this year... Okay, just to, just to unpack that a little bit. Number one, the media was absolutely bought off by the government, at least in Australia. Yeah. And we've, we've displayed that before. During the pandemic, 
the government gave all of the the large media companies in Australia a 100% tax offset. They did not need to pay any tax. And the claim was that due to the economic lockdowns that there was less advertisers, which is bullshit. Because we all know, everyone was at home in front of the TV. They had more eyeballs on TVs than they've ever had. Right? We also know that governments were offering social media personalities checks to like... To go out and tell everyone to get vaccinated. Yeah which Andrew Bogut exposed, which is why he became demonised during the pandemic. But there was $41 million in tax revenue just between 2020 and 2021, that financial year, that was just, was not required to be paid by the media companies from the government. And as we stated before, that was to push the political advertising without having a receipt for it. Because if the government went to these media outlets and was like, you need to push all this COVID-19 messaging and here's money for that, then there's a paper trail. Yeah. But if you just go to them, you go, you come up with a bullshit excuse. Oh, yeah, it's just because there's less advertising opportunities, even though you've got millions more people in front of the TV more often during the day, which is your model. Yeah. Like, it's it's like, it's just giving them money back for a bullshit reason. Yeah. But go back and look at the messaging that we all received during the pandemic. It was it was clear-cut advertising. It was native ads. We, we know yeah. that. So, so there was that part of it. Um, the second key part is that this chick is from a university and I think a lot of the universities are now trying to cover us too because there's a lot of universities that came out and pushed all the same garbage and when you when you actually look at uh, there's a lot of stats coming out at the moment particularly in America I'm assuming Australia is similar where university uh, attendees are starting to decrease at a, yeah. at a massive rate and the basic reason for that is economic the return on investment that you get from a university degree these days is nowhere near what it used to be. You used to go to university and you would spend $60,000 on average on a university course and that would guarantee you to get a $100,000 plus job as soon as you walked out the door. Mm. Now that is not the case. Mm. Now there are... And in America is even worse because the, the price of a university degree has gone through the roof even higher than it has in Australia. PBD had that um, interesting take on it yeah. the other day where since 1980, the I think inflation in total has gone up 286%. Housing has gone up about 480%. The price of a university degree since 1980 has gone up 1,200%. Yeah. The return on investment just isn't there anymore. So you've got these institutions that are failing. And then they also failed us during the pandemic because yeah. they came out and they fed us full of bullshit. And they're supposed to be the ones, they're supposed to be the critical ones. Yeah, they're supposed to be the places where all the research is done. So yeah. everyone knows that the smartest people are doing all the research and doing things by the book. But they threw the book out. Well, they hid the book. They hid the books with the... that that. It, it, it is so frustrating to me. So what do I want? Okay, I, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to have an amnesty. I'm, I'm happy... But uh, the perpetrators of it need to come clean. Yeah. They need to say, "This is these are the mistakes that we made. We did this wrong. We did this wrong. We did this wrong. Yeah. We did this wrong. We suppressed this data. Like, you need to come clean. There can be no amnesty without accountability. Yeah. And, one, and like we've said here before, we want to welcome new red pillars. We want to welcome, like, like, anyone that was done by it, we get it. Hundreds of millions of dollars worth of advertising, yeah. uh, government pressure, social pressure, nudging for, for years, yep. all led up to that. We get it. Mm-hmm. And we're here. We're, we, we want you to, to uh, join us yeah. so that this doesn't happen again. We want us all to learn. Mm-hmm. That's, that's our whole goal. The number one thing I want people to, to have is a healthy scepticism of anything they hear. Yeah. So healthy scepticism, is it means you do not take anything at face value. Yeah. Whether it is from uh, Channel 9 News or whether it's from this podcast or another, you know, a, a right-wing uh, content creator on Rumble, right? Healthy scepticism to all of it because, as you've said a million times, the truth is usually somewhere in the yeah. middle, right? And unfortunately... Uh, as, as she's trying to use as her excuse, we're trying to make decisions based off imperfect data too because they're not showing us any of the data. Yeah. So we can only base it off what we're actually being shown. So that means we're not going to get it right every time. But at the end of the day, have a healthy scepticism and, like I've said before, look for financial incentives. Who is profiting out of whatever they're, they're saying? Yeah, also, uh, people's definition of success are different. Mm. And that's why a blanket mandate 
was insane. Yeah. So, like, do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And and it might be, like, you might be in a better scenario if you do get locked down, if you do get vaccinated. Like, yeah. But do what's right for yeah. you. But expose yourself to all sides of it right. so you can make the informed decision for yourself. Can I also, too, I want to uh, take this in a slightly different direction because as much as there is a a dump load of negativity that's come out of the pod, uh, out of the pandemic, sorry, there's actually a lot of things that I'm thankful for mm-hmm. as well. And I wrote a couple of down, or a couple of these down. You feel free to add any that you think of as well. So to the pandemic and the powers that be that created more problems than they solved, including the creation of the virus itself. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for forcing me to take my health more seriously because I learned that I could not rely on the medical system. Yep. Agreed. So what have I done in that time? Oh, I've started, I've, I've ditched a lot of the junk food that I used to eat, which I used to think was a reward, but it's actually just a punishment. And I've applied the same skepticism to the companies that literally have labs that create flavors that are designed to make you eat more food. Mm-hmm. I've gone to a more primarily whole food, whole food based diet. I've started planting and growing my own fruit and vegetables. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes to the other lies that we've been fed our whole lives, such as around things like nutrition and basic pharmaceuticals. We grew up the food pyramid. I told us to eat eight to 10 serves of carbs every day. Mm. Don't go for it. Mm. My children will greatly benefit from the lessons I've learned the last two years. Mm-hmm. So I've got two young kids and even the absolute basics of if they're not feeling well, how quickly you go and give them like ibuprofen or paracetamol. Mm. Like those substances actually cause a shitload of overdoses in Australia, you never even hear about yep. it because you just go and buy them over the counter and everyone thinks they're safe. They're not 100% safe. Nothing is. Uh, thank you for reminding me that no one is going to come and save me or my family and I have to protect us myself. Absolutely. Yeah, self-responsibility. Yep. Yeah. Uh, every, not everyone. The majority of people, as soon as they're exposed to fear, which they were at the beginning of the pandemic, they get analysis paralysis and they sit around and they look for someone to save them. Mm. and the people that they look to to save them ruined their lives for two straight years mm-hmm. I'm not doing that uh, thank you to Google, YouTube, Twitter Facebook, the mainstream media for outing yourselves as agents of elite control rather than the free democratic platforms you pretended to be while pushing elite agendas and yeah, that's, a good, that's a really good one thank you that's a really good you one. You completely added yourself. Yeah. And as, as we've just been through on, on the YouTube guidelines, like literally a, a new speakiness, words out of existence. Yeah. So thank you, all those platforms, for showing you true colours. Yeah. Because a lot of people, I think, have, have woken up to it now. Yeah. And last but not least... Meta dropped $100 billion in market cap. Yeah, right. And they're all losing their earnings. Like they all they all fell short of their earnings, mm. their um, Q three earnings calls. Yeah, funny that the market the market never lies. And thank you for giving me the ultimate test to prove to myself who I really am, and that when it comes the time comes, I will not break, and I will not bend, and I will not lose my rationality, because I always thought that I was the type of person that when the shit goes down, I would be the strong person that people could rely on to protect my family, protect myself, and make the right decisions. And there's not many opportunities that you get in life to actually prove that. Uh, I think that's really good. So for me, and I hadn't had any pre-thought into this, but uh, thank you for yeah getting me to focus on my health, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, uh, hitting the gym, getting some great results there. Uh, I mean, like the best shape I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm far more conscious of what I eat. Yeah. I've reduced the alcohol by like a massive factor. Yeah. Uh, thank you for, uh, in terms of that media thing, I want to add thank you for making me more aware of what herd mentality is mm. and being able to, like being comfortable in cutting against it. Yeah. Like when that overwhelming force of people just keep telling you stuff telling you stuff telling you stuff but your logic rational and reasoning leads you to to differ mm-hmm. i'm so confident in saying no that's wrong and i'm not doing it you can you can do whatever you want yeah and i feel no pressure socially anymore no 
uh, thank you for making me start my business. Yeah. You know, like really the pandy started it and the way that businesses handled it uh, started this, which has changed my life uh, for the better. Yeah, thank you for, I mean, being a crypto guy, I think centralized power has taken a massive hit and we haven't realized it yet. Yeah. But and, it's, it's coming. And what happens when you push someone to a corner? They're coming harder. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank, I thank you for the lessons learned. The lessons learned that um, mm. you need to stay true to yourself. You need to... Oh, when so, this is a big one. When something is important, and I think we all thought that COVID was really important, mm-hmm. know it. Yeah. Like, deep dive into it. Have a very high-level understanding of it. That's right. Because so many people just like... Oh, um, like, they have very firm opinions of stuff. I'm like, oh, what's it based on? Oh, like nothing. Just something I've heard. Yeah. yeah. No, this is important. Mm. Like, stuff's important. Yeah. Know it. There's no excuse not to know. Yeah. And one thing that I want everyone to look out for is when you see something that may be a bit controversial, which comes up to debate, if, if the first move is to discredit the person instead of debate the yeah. idea you know that you might actually need to listen and, and take a bit more uh, a bit more of an open-minded viewpoint of what this person's trying to say. because the, Listen to understand, not listen to respond. Absolutely. And unfortunately, uh, people try to discredit ideas by discrediting the person that they come from. It's the oldest play in the book. Mm. Instead of debating the idea, it's easiest to go, oh, yeah, but, you know... But you did this thing back in the day, which is bad. Yeah. And then they go, oh, that person mustn't, mustn't be able to do anything. Yeah. But like you can also then, we've spoken about before about separating the art from the artist. Sure. Like I love Michael Jackson songs. I don't like pedophiles. Yeah. So I can separate those two things. Yeah. You need to be able to separate that because the emotional response is always going with the discredit, the discrediting story. Yeah. Whatever that narrative might be. And you're going to see a lot of this stuff in regards to Elon. Uh, you're already seeing it, but you're going to see more and more mm. over the coming weeks and months as they try to discredit him uh, because he's just a powerful figure. And I'm my personally, my uh, thoughts are up in the air in regards to Elon and how he will end up using Twitter as a platform, either to his benefit, to the benefit of humanity. I don't know. But at the end of the day, the way I feel about Elon is the same way I felt about Clive Palmer when Clive Palmer was. Uh, you know, going, basically trying to get back into politics. You sort of know what's in it for them. Yeah. Rather than all these platforms being run by people that you, everything's so uh, in the dark and redacted, you don't really know what they're yeah, motives Including are. our government ministers that are supposed to represent us. That um, was the, oh, that was the other thing. That was the other uh, thing that, uh, like, thank you. And you talked about self-responsibility, but uh, I'm going to talk about... Uh, yeah, I, I will put zero reliance on the government. Yeah. Zero. Yeah, because the government has outed themselves. All, all they're there to do is to siphon taxpayer money mm. and give it to their corporate buddies who flick some of it back in brown paper bags, yeah. regardless of which side they're on. Like I, I admitted uh, the other week that I used to be a liberal guy. I'm no one now. Yeah. Like, like they're both, it's two sides of the same coin. They're yeah. both destructive, they're both corrupt. I believe that the majority of people who get into politics get in there for the right reasons, but the only ones who make their way to the top where they can actually affect change only get there by doing deals with the devil on the way. Mm. And so you're right. Don't trust Don't uh, trust the government and expect the government to help you. Um, you know, one of the themes throughout the pandemic was uh, this topsy-turvy notion of all of us having to change everything we do to protect the health system. Whereas the health system is supposed to protect us if things yeah. go wrong. Yeah. If, like that, just think about that narrative in itself. It means that the health system is so under-resourced that it cannot be relied upon to give the service it's supposed to provide, which means it's mismanaged. If any business cannot provide the service that their, their entire business is reliant on, it means it's mismanaged and needs to be fixed. Mm. But instead of fixing the system, we try to get everyone else to change what they were doing. And we also fired the people within it. Yeah, which and you made a point before how you were saying that there was a two-tier society. There still is in certain uh, sectors. Mm. Like health, the police service still needs vaccines. There's still mandated vaccinations. I'm pretty sure um, ambulance and fireys would be the same. Like, 
It's not over. Even though the state of emergency just expired in Queensland, so there should be no legal basis where you can mandate a drug which is still this stage experimental. And doesn't work. And doesn't work. But it's still experimental. The trial ends in February 2023, which we've spoken about before, with at least with the Pfizer uh, vaccine. So this thing, there is no extraordinary health emergency. We haven't had a national state of emergency since April. The Queensland state of emergency is gone. And yet, they are still able to force these injections on people. And do you know why? Because the people just don't say no. Yeah. So just say no. And on that note... Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We will see you next week.